And we are back with researcher, traveler, explorer, Dr. Kathleen Ball, her new book, A Grail Quest, Discovery of a Mysterious Knight's uh, Templar Cave in Brazil. And the documentary is The Brazilian Templar's Mystery. Um, so you go back to the cave in Brazil in uh, 2021. Now you've got the necessary equipment. I guess you figured out a way how to, you know, not have to contend with the bats and the spiders. You go back in there and... Uh, First of all, how did you contend with the spiders? Just, you know, well, for well, my future reference. In 2021, the spiders were gone. And so here we go again. It was just another one of those happy accidents. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, kind of coincidence. But the spiders were gone. The bats were still in the back, but there weren't as many. There was only a, probably about 10, and they were way, way in the back. Um, so... Because this, this cave receded back about 12 feet, um, right. and it kind of curved curves around. Anyway, um, so the bats were back there, and they left us alone. Someone uh, is clearing, someone or something anyway, is yeah, clearing a path. Yeah. To, to smoke them out and do all this stuff. And when we got there, we did none of it was necessary because the spiders were gone. And, and okay. I don't so, I have the slightest idea why. But right. anyway, now, they were, so I was able to spend as much time as I wanted, uh, my photographer and I, and uh, really get some grid, really good solid photos and footage of uh, the graffiti that was in the cave. Yeah, originally I thought the graffiti was from the, you know, uh, the uh, more recent occupants who were using the cave, but you're saying that the well, graffiti there was actually... Some, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, there was definitely evidence of teenagers going in and, you know, B, C plus yeah. A, B, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, right. that kind of stuff with hearts and things. Yeah, there was definitely evidence of that too. But um, the higher, it was actually higher up where these crosses were, um, where, where we found the crosses, most of the crosses. Uh, there were some things that were lower. That There was a, a couple of things that looked like a shield, and some other graffiti that was covered over by, you know, later later intruders, unfortunately. Right. And, and these symbols matched what you were seeing. Places, these symbols. You know, when, you, when you find yeah. these historical places, it's difficult because, uh, you know, there's it's there's all it seems like there's always evidence of later intrusion. Sure. So, but these symbols matched what you were seeing in other places in Europe that belonged yes, to the Templars. Yes, they did. They matched perfectly um they were exact uh symbols of what i'd seen in dome and um and then also later in turkey in uh in Derinkuyu and in peniche portugal and one of the symbols that was in peniche was actually the the on the side of a building a chapel and it was dated at 1099 so Wow. That gave me a range of dates for the possibility of that cave having been dug out sometime between 1099 and 1300. So you mentioned one of the... Of these, those were the dates of these specific crosses that we found in the cave. You said you found one symbol that relates to a particular Templar ritual. Can you tell us about it? Yes. Well, actually, there were five crosses that have this symbol at the bottom. It looks like a triangle. Or, it's a triangle. 
um, and it's at the bottom of the cross. And then the cross itself has, has um, it's difficult to describe it. I wish I had some photos to show you. But anyway, um, it had specific lines on, and the ends of each, each ends of the cross had, a, had another line coming down. And at the very bottom of the long line of the cross was a triangular form. Now, this, according to Timothy Hogan, um, is significant of initiation, of a specific initiation, um, the 30, uh, 33rd degree. In other words, these people were doing, the Templars that were in there at that time, were, doing, were using this as initiation chamber as well. Initiate, initiate to what? Um, into the esoteric belief systems that were that they were researching and studying, and that they were involved in, um, and that they were also bringing forward, I believe. Um, and this was consistent with the belief system that Mary Magdalene and Jesus were uh, were preaching. Can you, any other insights into what what this? Uh, I mean, what were they trying to do? Perform miracles or uh, alchemical? Well, this isn't a miracle. Basically, it's it's what Jesus said in his teachings that the kingdom of heaven is within. In other in other words, the kingdom of heaven is not outside of us. It's within. It's within our own being. And so, these initiations were stages that one could develop of going within and finding oneness with God and with everything, basically with all of existence. And so these, these initiation stages, they still have this today. You know, the Masons have this, the Rosicrucians have this practice, the Sufis still have this practice. All of the ancient, um, esoteric belief systems and mystical belief systems had a series of initiation practices that they participated in to achieve a specific end, which was to become one with the divine. Okay. So why the Knights Templar in this, in, in Brazil, any sometime between 1099 and 1300 and something, why on earth were the Templars in Brazil? Well, I believe that they were trying to find places um, that they could possibly colonize or, you know, well, colonize. I, I believe that that's, that's what they were doing. That They were also coming into North America doing the same thing. And now we have evidence that they were actually, you know, they were in Turkey. They were all over in Africa. I think they were doing much more travel than any of us, re, you know, that was in our historical record. And I think that they were doing this because of the stranglehold that the Catholic Church had on Europe at the time. You have to consider the Templars had, although France was apparently their stronghold, their, um, where they were organized, uh, the Templars were organized, I think Portugal was actually a more important uh, place for them. Because Portugal was representative of their belief system. 
Portugal was made up of people from all walks of life. The Templars, when the church called the Jews heretics, the Templars took them in in Portugal. When the Jew, when the church called the Cathars heretics, the Templars took them into Portugal. The Templars were the, the Portugal nation was made up of Christians, Moors, Cathars, Islam, uh, Druids, Jews, and they lived in Portugal in a harmonious state. And I think, I really believe that the Templars wanted, they saw this, was functional. They saw that this could happen. They were being encroached on by the, by the Catholic Church in the 1300s. The Catholic Church wanted to come into Portugal and make that a Catholic nation, which it was. I mean, to some degree it was. But they did not like the fact that the Templars protected these people and had that belief system throughout the, the country of Portugal. So I think that the Templars traveled to Brazil and other places like that to reestablish these same goals, this same idea of harmony, of living, of people with, from different walks of life and belief systems could live in a harmonious state. And ironically, right. in Alto Parizo, Alto Parizo is one of the only areas in Brazil, in fact, in all of South America, for that matter, that we have people from all walks of life. You walk down the street in Alto Parizo, in the town of Alto Parizo, and you'll pass someone from Germany, from France, from Japan, from Africa, from all different religious backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, economic backgrounds, all of it. And then they live harmoniously. It's, it's were, the, were the Knights Templar, were the Knights Templar um, uh, adepts uh, sailors and navigators, or did they rely on someone else? I mean, how did they get to Brazil, no, they the were New navigators. World, before Columbus? They were navigators. They um, they got a hold of the Phoenician maps while they were over in the Holy Land, and I think that they were they were traveling all over. They were the only shipbuilders in all in Europe at the time. They were the first shipbuilders, I should say. And during this time in history, they were traveling far beyond where anybody was aware at that time. And they kept it secret. Originally, when they discovered Brazil, they called it Vera Cruz. And they told the other monarchs in Europe that it was an island. And the reason that they did this is because they didn't want anyone else to encroach on that area. They had intended on colonizing um, Brazil specifically. Later, everyone found out that it was a huge continent. But in the meantime, the Templars were going back and forth, and I believe that's where they were. They were mining the gold in Portugal, I mean in Brazil, and they were also mining silver in Peru at the time. So I've found evidence now recently, there's evidence that I have been sent by another researcher, friend of mine, that there is um, there is Templar evidence of Templars in in Peru as well, so I think they were all over the continent. So the, are the Templars then responsible? Because you mentioned uh, you know th- their base in Portugal. Is that why Brazil became a Portuguese colony? 
Yeah, absolutely. But see, it's, okay, so by the 1300s, well, 1290, all the monarchs were broke. They didn't have any money. They had invested all of their money into this crusade to take back the Holy Land, and it failed. Okay, so fast forward, you get to, in 1300s, by 1307, the only people that had lots of money at that time were the Templars, right? They were the only ones. So they were now looked at, obviously, by King Francis I, I mean, King Philip the Fair in France, as, um, you know, as a threat, as a threat at this point. But King Dennis at the time in Portugal was not broke. He was not broke. He was building ships. He was building nautical schools. And I believe he was sending his Templar fleets out all over the different parts of the world um, at that time and being funded by the gold mines in South America and silver mines. Ah, all the while keeping the uh, the work of the Templars and their location in Brazil a secret. Absolutely. Absolutely. Remarkable. So, yeah, so this is the research now that, that um, I'm, you know, I've got people now that are interested in it. Um, I have several researchers uh, in Brazil and also in Portugal that are very interested in this research and that are now going into Brazil and going into South America and um, researching some of this stuff on their own. <clears throat> and I've been told now that there are mason marks that um, begin in Bahia, which is on the coast of Brazil, and it travels all the way through the Amazon jungle right into central Brazil, into Alta Paraiso. So there are mason marks that the Templars left as a trail to get into the Alta Paraiso area. And so this led me to, uh, led me to some research and to believe also that the the Templars were probably guided into that area initially by the Amazon tribes themselves. The Amazon tribes, fought, they go into Alta Parizo. It's a sacred ground for them. There's five tribes that have been traveling back and forth from the deep Amazon jungle into Alta Parizo for hundreds of years, and they still do it today. They still, I, I interviewed them. Um, in 2021, and they still do this practice today. Kathleen, so, I got to take a time out. We're, uh, we're we're heading into the bottom of the hour here. We'll open up the phone lines, take questions and comments as well. Dr. Kathleen Ball, the Templars in Brazil, the Knights Templar in Brazil. Kathleen, are you ready to take some calls? Yeah, <clears throat> that sounds great. All right. We'll begin with uh, Mike in Seattle, Washington. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to Coast. You're on the line with Dr. Kathleen Ball. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Richard. Good morning, Doctor. I Hi. had a couple, two questions for the doctor. Uh, the first one I have is a book I have. Uh, I have yet to read it. It's called Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, and it has to do with um, uh, lost treasure, Templar treasure in Texas and Jesse James. So I wanted to know if the doctor, that's the first question, if the doctor knows uh, something about how Jesse James is, is connected to the Knights Templar. And the second question I had was, um, 
what the doctor thinks of the relationship, since the Knights Templar are connected with Jesus, what does she think the connection is with Jesus, the relationship between Jesus and Mary uh, Mary Magdalene? And um, I'm hoping Cornelius from Louisiana can call in because he's very knowledgeable on that with the Bible and stuff. Yeah, and, the author of that uh, book was on the show, uh, actually. I interviewed the okay, author. Okay, well, the front. first question, <clears throat> in relationship to Jesse James, now, I have heard um, about this research. It's I'm not familiar with it personally, but I have heard uh, that there, Jesse James may very well have been a descendant of a Templar um, and that he may have been privy to uh, treasure. Now, I I do know that the Templars had a great deal of money and valuables during the time of their demise in 1307, from 1307 to 1314. I know that the King Philip did not get a hold of this treasure, um, that it was, you know, sent off through La Rochelle into Scotland, I think some of it. Other, other, uh, most of it, I believe, went into Portugal, and from there, I believe that the Templars hid these treasures in multiple locations. I don't think that there is one location that we're going to find this treasure. I think that it's in several different locations um, in the countries that they traveled to that um, we are still investigating that we're finding out about now. There's very, very strong possibility that one cache of this treasure may even be in Brazil. Now, the mm-hmm. second relationship, the second question you had about um, Jesus and the Templar's relationship with Jesus and, and Mary Magdalene, um, there's a whole lot of speculation that they were protecting the bloodline of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene, and that there were children that descended from Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Now, that's very possible, but I think that was what was most important to them was the teachings of Jesus. The teachings that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were teaching were not the same teachings that are being taught in the Christian churches today that has come down to us. Many of the Gnostic Gospels and Gospels that were taught by Jesus and Mary at that time were Gnostic teachings, um, and they were taken out of the Bible when it was canonized in 300 AD. So these these beliefs were hidden. They were actually went underground from the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church in 300 AD they were act, they were hunting down anyone who didn't believe in the their cookie cutter ideal of Christianity. They canonized biblical the Bible the way they wanted it to, you know, be dispersed the way they wanted people to believe it, and they considered anyone else who was teaching anything else a heretic. So. Um, their relationship, the Templars' relationship with Jesus, was they believed in the original teachings of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. All right, Mike, thank you for that. The, the author of that book on uh, Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, Daniel Duke, uh, is a great grandson, and um, uh, I interviewed him on on, on Coast. I have to get him grandson. back on. Yes. 
Daniel Duke. Um, all right, let's say hi to, um, well, here we go. Cornelius is with us from Alexandria, Louisiana. Cornelius, welcome. Hey there, Richard. And, uh, hey there. Dr. Ball, Happy New Year to everybody. And Mike, Happy New Year. look me up on YouTube, Cornelius Lawson White, and you'll see my phone number and address on YouTube, Cornelius Lawson White. Now, Richard. I was telling you, car screen, Jeremiah, boy, he's great. Um, my dad was a black Knights Templar, an African-American Knights Templar. He had the books, and I sent them to Tommy and George, and he was also a 33rd degree Mason and stuff. So I'm going along with all the stuff that Dr. Ball is saying. I believe that we're in the end times, Dr. Ball, and some of them are part of the New World Order and stuff. So they're trying to bring about this one world government and everything. But my dad, he had stuff with, like I said, from newspaper clipping where they want to chip us all. And I said that last night and stuff, that Elon Musk, I call him evil Musk, wants to put a chip in your head and your hand. You can read that in the Bible. That's to be the mark of the beast. But what I want to ask you, Dr. Ball, if you don't mind, I hope you'll come to Louisiana. We've got all these Indian mounds and stuff with all kind of strange markings, Egyptian markings and stuff like that. So I invite you to Louisiana, come to Mardi Gras, come have some fun, and you'll love it down here and eat some gumbo and stuff. You too, Richard. You need to come to Louisiana and stuff too. You got that right. Yeah, would love to. From, from Arcadia up there and stuff, and they came down to, from Canada. Um, so my question for you, um, with in, in uh, Brazil, They've got that big statue of Christ. Have you looked at that and seen if the Knights Templar had anything to involve with that? And pray for uh, Barry in Rock Hill, South Carolina. He's going blind, so play for Barry. And I, we miss Ian Punnett. I wish he had had a healing. I wish he'd asked for prayer for his liver and stuff. Because them racists on uh, Reddit, boy, they're really lying about him. And I'm glad George brought that out. So God All right, Cornelius. God bless Cornelius, you. thank you, and we'll pray for Barry. And that's a great question about the uh, the large, the immense, glorious statue of uh, Jesus Christ in uh, Brazil. Why do I believe that they have that in Brazil? Well, would it be would the Templars have anything to do with it? I think he was asking. Oh, I, yes, I, I believe that they might have. Yes, yes, I, I believe that that may have been. Um, an inspiration that uh, that was brought on by the early the, the early founders of uh, of Brazil that later found Brazil um, because I do believe that the Templars wanted to see the true teachings of Jesus and Mary Magdalene prevail throughout the world and throughout the planet. And I think that the Templars, of course, were trying to colonize, were trying to, um, you know, bring their teachings into Brazil itself. So it, it would be consistent and it would be um, a symbol of that to create uh, a huge Jesus. Because I've been in Rio, I've been there and I've seen it. And it's, it's, an, very, it's an incredibly inspiring uh, mm. statue. Yes. Uh, Brendan is in Austin, Texas. Brendan, welcome to Coast. Hi, Brendan. Thank you, Richard. Brendan, are you? Dr. Ball 
And thank you, Ruth, yesterday. That was amazing. Uh, Dr. Ball, you mentioned destiny, the Holy Grail rituals in South America. Let me complete your bingo card and mention the Nazis were thoroughly obsessed with all of this. To this day, people stumble into Nazi bunkers all across South America that the locals knew about forever. And there's, oh, yeah, it was always there. And all town, all these towns and stuff, which people can research, I'll be quick. But it was very creepy that the cave was cleared out like somebody had been there before you got there after you discovered it. But rhetorically, I wonder if Nazis have used that cave for rituals in their time. They were very obsessed with rituals. So naturally, it brings up the question, did any of the locals or researchers that you've worked with mention Nazis or evidence that Nazis had previously searched this area since they were so obsessed with this topic in that exact region? No, no one had no one had ever researched it. I I had checked with historians over there. In fact, I'm I, um, uh, friends with several researchers and historians in Brazil, and they were just as fascinated by this discovery as I was. Um, you have to consider Brazil. Brazil has not doesn't have a um, they don't have a background of really being very interested in their history. They are becoming more so now, but they just, they just weren't, they just really weren't. Um, and so there is, there is so much in Brazil. I have found other artifacts and things, uh, in Brazil that, that are not related to the Templars, but related to other, um, uh, petroglyphs. And I've found uh, a whole lot of other things. I won't get into all of it, but most Brazilians don't know about this stuff. They really don't know about their own history there. So they're just as fascinated about this as I am. And so I'm getting a lot of help from fellow researchers, Luis Salvi, um, Joao Ramos, and, and, you know, some other people now are joining and coming on board. Um, I have an archaeologist that I will be meeting with uh, when I go back into Brazil this in 2024, um, but they're just now starting to get interested in, in some of these things over there. And it dumbfounds me, you know, I, I, we think, you know, here in the U.S., we're constantly looking at our history, but that's not the case there. So, um, hmm. you know, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting con- country. All right, Brendan, thank you for the call. Let's say hi to Michael in New Mexico. Michael, welcome to Coast. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to wish you both a very happy new year. Let's hope it's better than the last one. But I have uh, two questions, if I, you'd be so kind enough to listen to them. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, the first question is, there's a town in Brazil called Seja Lagos, uh, Seven Lakes. And um, I'm a mineralogist. And I have a tremendous love for paleontology and anthropology. And uh, there's topaz mines and quartz mines there that produce gwendols and some exceedingly rare crystals. And there are some people there that talk about Mary Magdalene, Portugal, which had sailed there before anyone else, and the Spanish and the English. And my second question is, uh, the temple of man really is within. And if you've ever heard any stories about Mary Magdalene's uh, bloodline in any of the Scandinavian countries, 
with her ending up in France, and then perhaps this information going around the world with the Polynesians. And uh, All right. I'll just listen. Okay, Michael, a lot there. So Mary Magdalene mentioned in this area of seven lakes in Brazil. Have you Are you familiar with that, uh, Kathleen? No, there there isn't much um, information. There, there, in fact, there. Like I said, you know, they don't, they don't really. The Portuguese people in Brazil are very much about work, um, surviving, paying their bills, you know, having a nice home, um, these sorts of things. They're they're not really invested too much in their history. There are a few people, of course, that I'm connecting with. That um, you know, they're fat that are interested in this research, but no, um, on this on a broad scale in in Brazil, I would say no. They um, there really isn't much about Mary Magdalene. Now, like you find in France, or you find throughout the European, especially in the Iberian Peninsula area. You right. He also mentioned Scandinavia. More. He also mentioned Scandinavia yeah. with Mary Magdalene. And in Scandinavia as well. The Scandinavians, uh-huh. absolutely. Well, you know, we, in Scandinavia, we have the whole um, Scotia, uh, you know, coming in from Egypt and into the Scandinavian area and eventually going into Scotland, Scotland being named Scotland for, from Scotia. And then we have Nova Scotia. In North America, again being associated with Scotia, which again is is um, is all associated with the feminine, with uh, the feminine goddess, the, the two halves of God, of God being androgynous, male and female. So all of this has to do with that whole history that dates back into Egypt and again into Sumer and even further. So Nova Scotia, we have Oak Island. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll ever find anything in Oak Island. It's been so excavated so many times. But do you think at one time the Templars likely buried treasure there? I think that there may have been there been something there at one time, but I do not believe that there's anything now. And so you're... I, I think that, that that the treasure, if it was there, has been moved. I agree. I agree. Uh, you have really rewritten the book here. Um, you know, the, the Templars being in Brazil centuries before Columbus discovered the New World. Um, I mean, you, you're 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 getting a lot of uh, interest from researchers, which is good. But um, so, what's what's next now? Are you gonna are you gonna go back to Brazil? Is there another book in, in the works? Yeah, yeah, I do I have another book that's coming out. Um, the Templar Agenda. And I'm going to be tying all of this information together, all my new research together, um, talking about what I believe to be the Templars' agenda um, that's coming forward, that, that they're trying to bring about um, now, and that was their initial uh, agenda that has been brought forward now into today's world. And uh, anyway, so the book will be about that and also my research into the other countries that the Templars traveled into and evidence that they left in those other countries um, that is just very little know, is known about any of this information. So, um, I, you know, I've dedicated my life to this, uh, bringing the Templars 
into the living rooms and into the minds of, of everyone the, the facts about the Templars. The current history that we have to date is just so incomplete um, that I, I think this is just really valid. And, you know, and I'm not the only one. Now, there's a whole lot of other researchers. We have Gretchen Cornwall right now, Timothy Hogan. Uh, Fred Silva's done a tremendous amount of research that's been just so helpful with me for my own research. Okay. Dr. Um, Kathleen Ball, I got I to gotta run. Uh, a Grail Quest, Discovery of a Mysterious Knight's Templar Cave in Brazil. The documentary is The Brazilian Templar's Mystery. Thank you so much, Dr. Kathleen Ball. I appreciate it. Great to speak with you. All right. For George Norrie, George Napoli's Alliance, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti, Michael Cozio, Jeremiah Harris, Chris Burroughs, Sean Latisor, and Tim Banal. I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. Happy New Year. So long for now.